Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to dominate your career, then you are in the right place. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And Monica Marquez, ex-Googler, diversity expert, and senior corporate leader. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Monica Marquez, your host for today's episode. Do you secretly wish for things but don't know how to get them? Well, today we are speaking with Lisa Ong, who shares with us the power of dreaming big and wishing out loud. Lisa Ong is widely known as a talent gardener and inclusion connector. Lisa is an executive coach, diversity strategist, and president and founder of Wishing Out Loud. Lisa was formerly diversity and inclusion leader at PwC, where she focused on minority retention and advancement, as well as growing inclusive leaders at all levels. In this episode, Lisa talks about how to discover your strengths, build your community of mentors and peers, and create opportunities not only to shine, but also thrive in your career. Visit www.imbeyondbarriers.com, where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode including the best way to get in touch with Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you, and we know that our audience will definitely find um, your journey and your conversation and all the tidbits you're going to share with them today extremely useful. So without further ado, let's dive right in and um, tell us a little bit about your story and what you've learned along the journey. Thank you. It's such an honor to be able to join you. So when I introduce myself, I like to tell people that I'm a talent gardener mm. instead of saying that I'm a diversity director or diversity expert. And the reason I love to introduce myself as a talent gardener is most people can understand that recruiters bring the talent in. Mm-hmm. And my role over the past 30 years in corporate was serving as an internal coach. Mm. So the recruiters brought them in and my job was to help them make sure that not only do they grow in the organization, but thrive, right? Are they getting the sunshine and the water to make sure that they're shining at their best? So I used to say I have the best job in the world because I get help people shine. So how did I get to be in that position? And how do you get a dream job like that? Mm-hmm. I started out as a, a certified public accounting. My bachelor's degree is in accounting. And I picked accounting because my father told me to pick accounting. He was an accountant. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was the oldest of three daughters, traditional Chinese-American family, so you do what your father says, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And he told me, Lisa, accountants is the language of business, and so I need you to get a great job and make a lot of money to take care of me when I'm old, so I really would love for you to explore that. And in high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but they had an accounting class, and I didn't really want to take it as an elective, but he said, just try it. And I've learned in my career that if you just try it, oftentimes you're nicely surprised that you're actually good at it and that you actually mm-hmm. like it. So I was very blessed early on that I found um, that I loved the language of business and accounting. It really appealed to my natural sense of curiosity. Uh, you'd be surprised how much 
your early life gives you indications of what your strengths would be. Mm-hmm. So I used to love to read Nancy Drew books and mystery books, <laughs> Encyclopedia Brown. Mm-hmm. I like to solve the mysteries. And even as I was growing up, I gravitated to those crime solving shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even to this day. So as an auditor, you have to have that curiosity and professional skepticism mm-hmm. and a little bit of thinking about, hmm, if I was going to commit a fraud, what would I do? <laughs> so watching those years of those television shows really comes into play. Mm-hmm. So someone would say, well, how did you move from being an auditor into human resources and diversity? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a, a strange leap. It's not your traditional career path. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned in my career, it was when I was a manager. I, I got to go to a new manager training course. And we took these strengths assessments Mm -hmm. where they identified your top five strengths and being an auditor and very professional skepticism. I was like, how am I going to discover my strengths taking a test? How would a test know me better than myself? Mm -hmm. And you go through and they say, don't overthink it. Just answer the questions quickly. So I did. And I got the test back and it said, Lisa, these are your top five strengths. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away. I was like, how could a test know what my top five strengths were, but being armed with that mm-hmm. really helped me take a, a nice reflection on my career and say, Lisa, based on these strengths, do you see yourself in this current role in the next 10 or 20 years? And how does that fuel your soul in terms of your purpose? Mm-hmm. And someone wisely told me, Lisa, it's not work if you do what you love. So mm-hmm. that really gave me a um, a nice opportunity to reflect and say, hmm, well, I'm really good at being an audit senior manager. I'm solving client problems. Mm-hmm. The part of my job that I love the most is working with our people, mm-hmm. um, mentoring and developing the talent, um, seeing them grow and get promoted, and mm-hmm. going back to that talent gardener approach. Mm-hmm. Um, if my teams and my individuals on my teams were getting promoted, that is how. I measured my success. Mm. And for others looking in, they may have questioned that. They would say, well, Lisa, you know, people that were on your team are now getting promoted even faster than you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, great. That means I've done my job. <laughs> I loved how you kind of broke down step by step how you gained that clarity, right? How you discovered your unique strengths and your superpower by really assessing um, what it is, like you said, you you just you discover a lot of these things when you're young, but I think people forget about them when they start thinking about or trying to fit themselves in a box that other people are telling them they need to major in this or or what's the right subject or the right job they need to be looking for. So tell me a little bit about switching lanes or switching roles, because like you said, you were a manager, you were doing CPA work, and then you realized your natural talent or that affinity of really helping grow talent and then switching roles to one of focusing on talent like diversity and inclusion. What are other transitions in your career uh, that you've had and how did you accelerate once you've decided, you know, what was that decision of change that you made and how did you accelerate in getting there? Yeah. So all of the changes that I've had in my career, I've been very fortunate to have mentors and sponsors who actually saw the strengths in me before I saw them in myself, Mm -hmm. right? So even before I took that assessment that said, Lisa, you've got a really deep 
sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you're really strong in your focus and execution, um, deeply held beliefs in terms of spiritual grounding, connectedness, and learning, infinite learning. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I started to lean on that advice from those sponsors mm-hmm. and lean into it that I was actually able to accelerate my career. So someone said, well, how did you move from being a CPA into HR? Mm-hmm. I said, that was a critical change in my career. I actually quit. My daughter was two years old and I was traveling back and forth to Houston with her on business trips. Mm-hmm. And after you turn two, she doesn't fly on your lap free anymore. <laughs> right. And my husband also is an auditor and travels too. And there were weeks where she didn't have anyone to care for her. And I said, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. So I walked into my boss's office and I said, Ed, I need to quit. And he looked at me and he said, what have we done? I was like, I, I just can't manage the travel anymore. And I know that being an auditor requires travel. Mm-hmm. And he said, who said so? He goes, why don't we move you into HR for audit? They don't have to travel as much. Mm-hmm. You don't have a job lined up, do you? And I said, no. And he tore up my resignation and <laughs> said, okay, I want you to stay here in the HR department. We have someone mm-hmm. on maternity leave. Stay here a year. And if you don't like it, then you can switch later. Mm-hmm. And I said, but Ed, I don't have an HR background. All right. Uh, And he's like, Lisa, you're smart enough to figure it out. And he gave me these big binders Mm -hmm. to study for the senior professional HR exam. And he's like, study these, you can take the exam. And if you don't like this, you can always quit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what makes you think I'd be good in HR? And he said, Lisa, you do realize that every year we assign five new hires to the managers to coach and mentor? Mm -hmm. Yes, I know. And he says, typically they're gone in a year. He's like, you have over 20, almost 20 a mentee still, because yours never quit. He goes, maybe there's some strength there that you don't see. Wow. And I, I was, mm-hmm. wow, you're right. I didn't notice that I had a lot more mentees than everyone else. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got into HR. And a year later, I was loving it. Uh, and then they said, hey, Lisa, they tapped me again when they were looking for diversity directors. Mm-hmm. We had diversity directors out of headquarters in New York. Mm-hmm. And then in Boston, I said, we need to go west of the Mississippi. Let's go to Dallas next. Mm-hmm. So I was very fortunate that I was the third local geography diversity leader. Mm-hmm. And they tapped me on the shoulder and I said, we need you to apply for the role. I said, why me? I'm just a regular HR person. I don't have any diversity inclusion experience. And they mm-hmm. said, you're already leading the parenting network and the women's network and the multicultural network. Mm-hmm. We feel like you can easily take on the others. And so um, I was like, I don't know. I've been here 15 years. I don't want to switch careers to a job that may just be flavor of the month, right? What is right. diversity and inclusion? It was still pretty new. Mm-hmm. And my audit skepticism always kicks in. And that's been one of my drawbacks is I tend to, from a risk management lens, immediately go to worst case scenario. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to work for a leader who said, Lisa, you need to think about the best case scenarios. Mm. If you're wildly successful at this a year from now, what would that look like? And working with her was wonderful because that's the way she always thought. Mm-hmm. And I said, how, how, how do you do that? And she said, Lisa, think about it psychologically. If you're thinking about what wild success would look like a year from now, you're more likely to achieve it. Mm. If you think the sky is falling, the sky is falling, guess what? It probably will fall. So I went ahead and made that leap to become the diversity director. And one of the things I learned was 
Lisa, if if you have the attitude of gratitude and go into it with vulnerability and let people know where you need help, mm-hmm. they are more than willing to help you. And that was very difficult for me being traditional Chinese American. Mm-hmm. I always thought you had to be smart enough to figure it out on your own. Yes. Right. If I'm asking for help, perhaps I'm not as smart as I think I am. Mm-hmm. And so one of my wise mentors said, Lisa, you really struggle with asking for help. Mm-hmm. My suggestion to you, because you are such a grateful person, is to ask for advice. Mm-hmm. When you ask for advice, you're, you're appealing to your sense of gratitude for their wisdom and experience. Mm-hmm. And in, in the end, you will end up in getting their help anyway. And that has been such valuable advice in my career um, in terms of building my networks. It helps me get over the fear of connecting with people mm-hmm. that I wouldn't normally ask help for. I love that. And I love how you were able to embrace that and reframe asking for help from a place of gratitude and ask for advice. Um, And I think that that is something that will resonate with a lot of people because it just immediately resonated with me as well. What are some of the patterns you've observed that, you know, specifically preventing women and, and in some cases, women of color from showing up with confidence and owning their success? Well, I can share my experience because mm-hmm. firsthand, I, not only did I experience it, it helps me when I'm coaching women as well because they mm-hmm. can identify with my struggles. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons that I struggled with showing up with confidence is a little bit of that imposter syndrome of, am I good enough? Mm-hmm. I'm always comparing myself to others with that little bit of self-doubt. And mm-hmm. I learned that I needed to turn off that negative voice in my head. Mm-hmm. And I would turn it up and say, you're smart enough to figure this out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what was interesting was my father pointed out to me, like, you're really good at poker. <laughs> but <laughs> if you can be good at poker and bluffing in poker, you can be good at work. Use that same skill. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I hadn't thought of that. Mm-hmm. Right? He's like, if you can bluff in poker, you can bluff in life. And that really helped me to say, Lisa, you're actually better than you think you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to quell that voice. The other thing about confidence, and I've continued to struggle with this on, and throughout my career, is confidence is how you show up. So mm-hmm. I could inside be feeling very not confident, but I've learned that if I just look at the nonverbals, um, I hear people say, fake it till you make it. But mm-hmm. if you act bigger than you really are, it really works. So mm-hmm. when I'm on a stage and I'm feeling a little nervous, if I take up more space, if I stand up taller, if I take a big breath, if I move my arms and take up more space bigger, all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I start to feel more confident because you're already getting those um, endorphins in your body and you just feel it and you look Mm -hmm. it even if your heart is still pumping a mile away. I love taking the space and kind of owning that power pose or making yourself feel um, and, and look confident that you start then invoking those feelings of confidence. So I love that tangible takeaway. So the visible triggers, right? Yes. So I, if, I need, if I need some power going into a meeting, I might wear bright colors to mm-hmm. energize myself. Or I might wear, I know that I would observe other successful women in, in the organization. I would no, notice they were wearing pointy shoes. Mm-hmm. And I, I one time asked her, I said, well, that looks really uncomfortable. And she's like, no, it's not. It actually helps ground me because mm-hmm. these are my kick-ass heels. And I just <laughs> laughed. I was like, oh, so now when I go and do presentations, especially as a diversity leader, um, mm-hmm. I wear my, cow- my pointy cowboy boots. Oh, I love I it. Like, why, do you, <laughs> why do you do that, Lisa? I said, well, it's memorable. And it helps dispel 
assumptions. So uh-huh. as I travel around the country doing presentations, people will ask me on planes and in the airport, where are you from? And being Asian, I'm used to getting that second, where are you really from? Right. Even when I say Dallas and mm-hmm. smile real big, they're like, no, where are you really from? And so I've learned not to ask, not to feel offended by that, that, oh, I see an Asian, you must be foreign. Mm-hmm. But to say, no, uh, oh, you mean my grandparents immigrated from China to Brooklyn, New York. Right. They usually will say, oh, you don't have an accent. And I have to use humor and say, oh, you don't hear the Brooklyn in my accent. That's great. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But if you're wearing cowboy boots, Almost nine times out of 10, they never ask me the second question. So you must be legitimate if you're wearing cowboy boots <laughs> to be from Dallas. I love that. That's, um, I'm, I think I may adopt that as well, <laughs> being a, a it, Texas it native. Help yeah. you with, <laughs> with um, helps with branding, especially when I go to different diversity conferences. Usually I can say I'm the Asian woman in the red jacket. But uh-huh. when you go to an Asian conference, red is a good luck color. There's going to be a lot of Asian women in red jackets. So okay. I say... Asian women in red jackets with cowboy boots, there's usually not that many. <laughs> Absolutely. I love the, the differentiation of, you know, who you are from a unique perspective. And, and I love that. So I think I'm going to be so, shopping yeah, for some. Tool. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be shopping for some clients. cowboy boots. Yes. <laughs> my coaching clients are like, Lisa, I'm going to a conference and I have to speak and I don't feel very confident. I was like, what's your favorite color? Mm-hmm. Let's wear that. Right. Surround yourself with visible triggers that will help you feel more powerful and tapping into those senses, even perfumes. Right. Certain Mm -hmm. perfumes. I know people say don't wear that, but sometimes the scent of that will remind you that you can tap that into that strength as well. This is my grandmother's favorite perfume or mother's perfume. Mm -hmm. And if I tap into that origin story that it's not about me, but it's representing my entire family and those who come before me. Wow. What power that gives you. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about, you know, just given the various different um, experiences you've had, um, I'm sure you've come across um, some failures and setbacks. Can you share with the audience what has helped you deal with them and what have you, you know, how do you learn from them? If if you're not having failures and setbacks, you're not learning and growing Mm. Um, because you're staying in the safe zone. Mm -hmm. So I learned that the only way that I could learn and grow was to put myself out there. And if I failed, just pick myself up and start again. And the other thing that made the failures more palatable was when I did fail, talking to others about it and saying, here's what I learned from it. What else did you see that I should have picked up from this experience? Mm. Right? Because each failure is a learning experience. So versus saying, oh, I'm such a failure, I'm such a loser. It's like, okay, Lisa, what are you supposed to be learning from this experience? Mm-hmm. Right to separate myself from the actual failure to say what can I do differently going forward, right? And how can I help others learn from that failure? A great example of that is within my first year as a diversity director, I was giving a big speech in this huge room with bright lights in my face uh-huh. and telling people what they need to do to be an inclusive leader. So mm-hmm. I really couldn't see in the back, and we were doing this exercise where I kept saying, you know, if this piece of diversity identity resonates with you, please stand up. So if you're a woman, please stand up. If you are um, first in your family to go to college, please stand up. And so I was going through that exercise. Mm -hmm. And I said, as an inclusive leader, you need to be open to feedback. That was my best advice to them. Always be open to feedback. Mm -hmm. That's how you learn and grow. And at the end, I got done early Mm because I talk a little fast. And I was a little nervous because someone said, well, do you have time for questions? I was like, oh, boy. 
yes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And this woman in the back said, did you really mean you have to be open to feedback? And the way she asked the question, I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be a great question. Mm -hmm. So I stalled. I said, can you come closer? I can't see you. She said, did you really say you had to be open to feedback? And I said, of course. And she said, I have feedback for you. I know it wasn't your intention, but when you led that exercise, you could have been more inclusive More inclusive mm-hmm. if you would have said, if this identity re- resonates with you, please stand up or raise your hand or nod your head if you're able. Mm. And I said, hmm. And she said, because there's those of us in the back that cannot stand. Um, and I know that wasn't your intention, so I wanted to share that with you in the future. So I took a huge gulp. Mm-hmm. Here I am, the new diversity expert up front, telling them what they need to do to be an inclusive leader. I was like, great, epic fail. And mm-hmm. then I thought, no, 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 this is great because not only am I learning, but all 500 people in this room will learn. So I had to take a gulp and I said, thank you so much for that feedback. I will never forget this moment and neither will the 500 people in this room as well. Mm-hmm. So After that, I learned that your failures can actually help other people learn better. Mm -hmm. So as I was leading training programs and leadership development training programs, rather than telling my learners what to do, I would tell them all my mistakes and failures because those were more memorable. Mm -hmm. It was more like, um, if Lisa did this, I'm trying to prevent you from hitting that same career speed bump. Um, Hopefully Mm -hmm. you can navigate that without hitting it because you're learning from the mistakes I've made. Mm-hmm. So that's made it much easier for me on failures to write them all down and say, okay, here's what I learned, but use those stories to help other people not make those failures. I love that. And I love the teachable moments, right? I do think that my entire career is probably based on teachable moments from mistakes that I've made, or as you've said, where you know leaders have been courageous enough to share their mistakes so that you, one, can, one, relate with them, but then, two, learn from them because it eliminates a trial and error for yourself. You're just learning from other people's mistakes. And, and I do always believe in that transfer of knowledge. I mean, it's part of the, the reason behind our podcast here at Beyond Barriers, right? We love to share stories like yours so that people can learn from them. Uh, especially when people are gracious enough like you to share those, um, those, those, those fumbles, those things that we've done in our career that will, we hope that others will learn from it and not commit the same mistake. So, but I do know when we make mistakes, sometimes we tend to beat ourselves up. Yes. Right? Yes. So when I was, uh, I've launched my new business, I'm just over a month into the new business and it's mm-hmm. quite a bit of change, right? Moving from corporate space as a new entrepreneur. <laughs> and I, I had so many different things going on and I had set up a bunch of meetings, mm-hmm. um, that's the other thing I've learned is that the networking is, is an ongoing thing, not just in person, but uh, mm-hmm. even connecting with people on a regular discipline basis. And I had set up a lunch with someone who had reached out to me and I totally forgot about the lunch. And all of a sudden I get this text that says, Hey, Lisa, I'm here. I'm like, who is this? She's like, I'm at our lunch spot. And I'm like, Oh, I hit myself on the head. I took Lisa, you totally forgot about the lunch. And she's sitting there all alone. Uh-huh. I was like, you have never done that in your 30 years of working in business. Yikes. Mm-hmm. And I told my daughter about it. And she said, Mom, you're only human. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Can you share with our listeners how you manage competing priorities between, you know, personal and professional goals, especially after learning that lesson of, you know, someone, you know, helping you identify how you could make them both work? Um, because we know that the idea of work-life balance truly doesn't exist, but there is this idea of work-life um, integration. How would you oh my share with them I love that. the competing priorities? Yes. Yes, I love that you said work-life integration because as a CPA, when I hear work-life work balance, I'm like, there's no eight hours of work, eight hours of fun, and eight hours of sleep. <laughs> right. So work-life integration. What I've done, and this is why I've named my company Wishing Out Loud, mm-hmm. is when you have the clarity about what you need both in your career and in your life, you have mm-hmm. to have the courage to wish out loud. And the and the reason I trademark that as, as my coaching uh, methodology is because I find that a lot of people don't feel like they can, they deserve to wish out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a fear of if I say what I want, I'm going to look bossy or demanding, mm-hmm. or I'm going to look arrogant to say, I'd like to make partners someday. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you say, I love doing this, I wish I could do more of this. You're just putting it out there and it allows other people to feel good about joining you in the journey, it actually makes them feel good to be in a position to grant the wish. Mm-hmm. So for those who struggle with self-advocacy um, or who are also very humble, it's hard for them to brag, right? Or say, hey, here's mm-hmm. all the things that I'm good at. Yes. But it allows them to showcase their talent when they say, I love to do X. Because mm-hmm. the energy in people's voice when they say, I love to do X is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then they have to, what I love to do is help them wish out loud in multiple choice. Mm -hmm. So if you wish out loud in multiple choice, you're more likely to get a yes. So I used this a lot when I was in the Girl Scouts um, as a Girl Scout troop leader. Mm -hmm. I would never ask the mothers, would you like to chaperone the next camping trip, right? By itself, I would say, would you like to do that? Or would you like to be the cookie mom? Or would you like to provide snacks at the next meeting? Mm-hmm. I really just needed you to provide the snacks at the next meeting, but I'm wishing out loud. And sometimes <laughs> they wouldn't necessarily have thought, yeah, I could, I can actually chaperone that meeting. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, I got two out of three. <laughs> so even if you apply that in your career, mm-hmm. right, I wish I could do an international tour. I wish I could work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do, what is that art of wishing out loud? And someone said, well, Lisa, that just sounds too easy. I said, but if you power the combination of wishing out loud with developing meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. Those people know and trust you and they know that you wouldn't wish for un- unreasonably. Right? Mm-hmm. So especially for returning um, moms who are coming back from maternity leave, they'll call me and they'll say, my company doesn't have a flexibility program, right? They don't have resources for returning moms. I'm the first returning mom back mm-hmm. to my workplace. And I said, what do you need? What do you want? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't ask for it. We don't have those policies. I said, why don't you just ask your boss, hey, I, I would love to pilot a work from home policy transition for returning moms for this company. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. You're helping others. And I'd like to pilot it for a month. And mm-hmm. I work from home two days a week. And I said, it's magic because when you say pilot, that's a try and trial and error. Mm-hmm. So they're not expecting it to be permanent. Right. And in most, I think everyone that has ever asked to pilot something usually gets a yes. And in some cases, they forget a month later that this person is still doing two days a week. It's <laughs> now permanent. Right, right. 
I guess I the worst that. you get is a no. When you wish out loud, the worst is you get a no. And I've learned that the no is a no, not now, mm-hmm. not a no, not ever. But if you don't even ask, you're never going to get a yes. That is brilliant. And I love how positioning it as a pilot, but then also how this could potentially help others. It's not just for you as well. That is a brilliant idea. It makes you more courageous when you're asking on behalf of others than mm-hmm. just yourself. Correct. No, I definitely, I think that would, that totally resonates with me and I'm sure it resonates with our audience in that I think women tend to, they're afraid to ask because it is, it's in some cases may seem selfish and women don't like to do that. Um, We just, there's a tendency not to want to do that and it just feels um, disingenuous. But when you're asking for others and setting an example or just creating opportunities for others, it's much easier to to do. I totally agree. And I think that is a brilliant uh, suggestion. Can you share with our audience, uh, you know, a little bit about the the value of network and community and how you've leveraged in the past or maybe how you coach individuals to really tap into that network where network isn't just a relationship in relationships with people, but it, it's an untapped resource that a lot of women tend not to really dig into. Yeah. Yeah. Networking feels cheesy to some people, right? They're like, oh, I don't know. Networking just doesn't feel authentic to me. Mm-hmm. And someone told me, helped me reframe it. And they said, Lisa, networking is just making friends with people you haven't met. Their, you don't know their name yet. You're just making mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I can do that. I love making friends. Mm-hmm. And then I said, well, I don't have time for networking. And so I always thought sequentially. So I always thought networking happened after 5 p.m. <laughs> so to me, networking mm-hmm. was drinking at a happy hour. I was like, I'm not a heavy drinker and I need to go pick up my daughter from daycare, right? So networking right. to me just felt like, oh, an extra burden. But then some, what I noticed though is when I went to these events and started thinking about how can I help others? How can mm-hmm. I learn their story and help their stories be better? Mm-hmm. What I found was those people stayed in my network for a very long time. Even in that brief moment, if I were really intentional about wonder why this person's here. I wonder what they're trying to do. It took Mm -hmm. the pressure off of me from worrying about what am I going to say? I don't know anyone in this room. Mm -hmm. I'm walking into a room of strangers and it would make me very nervous. Mm -hmm. And then I started telling people, well, it makes you less nervous if you meet a friend there or bring a friend there. So you have a wing person Mm -hmm. by your side. Right. Um, Also, um, networking wasn't always physical. So I would, I do a lot of networking through the internet mm-hmm. um, and also over meals because everyone has to eat. Right. So I do mentoring Mondays um, where I'm connecting with my mentors or being a mentor to others, either breakfast or lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do friends and fellowship Fridays to connect with people on Fridays as well, just so I can remember what days to schedule mm-hmm. uh, purposely to make sure I'm connecting with people. And I've had strangers reach out to me on LinkedIn saying, hey, I would love to learn more about this or that. And most people mm-hmm. blow them off. And I've learned over time that 30 minutes on the phone, if someone took the time to reach out to me, they probably have something that I could benefit from learning. And a lot of my contacts and connections across the country have been that way. And you'd be amazed how that small interaction mm-hmm. about creating a memorable moment and focusing on how can I help you stays in people's memory a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's benefited me in ways I never would have expected. I got nominated to serve on several boards. 
um, lots of opportunities to lead community service type projects. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're working alongside people and and things that they're passionate about, you get to know them at a different level. Um, So people say, how do you get nominated for all these awards? Well, I don't go out and try to nominate myself for awards. I go out and try to serve others. And Mm -hmm. people remember that. How do you get leadership positions? They see that you're consistent and you show up and you care. They're like, oh, I said, but if you're not getting out there, how are they going to find you? Mm-hmm. That so is fantastic. We're all really busy, right? <laughs> I'm really busy, but I pick the things that I'm passionate about. So if you are picking something you're passionate about, you always seem to find the time. Right, exactly. That is fantastic. I love your mentoring Mondays. And remind me, the Fridays are your... Friends, friends and Fellowship Fridays. <laughs> friends and Fellowship Fridays. I love that. I think that is actually something I'm going to adopt. And, um, and the great thing about that is it gives you something to look forward to on a Monday. Most people dread Monday. I, yes. And that's one of our mottos here at Beyond Barriers is that we want to help women accelerate their careers to where it, it becomes, thank God it's Monday, opposed to thank God it's Friday. Right. So it's a nice way to bookend your week. Absolutely. I know our listeners are going to be um, excited to reach out to you and get um, maybe some time on one of your mentoring Mondays or your, um, your, your Fridays. So what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you? And is there anything else you would love to share with us? So um, they can connect with me through LinkedIn. That's the great way. I mm-hmm. do answer direct messaging on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, they can also connect with me through wishingoutloud.com okay. um, and send me an email as well. And then anything else, uh, I, just, and I would just encourage folks to continue to be that infinite learner and connector mm-hmm. um, and approach things with curiosity and open mind. Um, I've, I don't wait for someone to tell me what I need to do. I go out and find it. So mm-hmm. someone said, Lisa, how do you learn so much about uh, the digital skills and uh, Mm -hmm. workforce of the future. How do you do all of that? And I said, I'm an avid reader, Mm -hmm. but also an avid podcast person, right? So if you're listening to different things, and especially about thinking about the workforce of the future, it can help you focus on those transferable skills versus waiting for someone to tell you, oh, you need to know all about artificial intelligence and bots Mm -hmm. and things like that. If you know that's the direction that the business is headed, then you can be ahead of that game. So I would encourage people to continue to learn, um, tap into podcasts like these, Mm -hmm. um, and reaching out to those mentors that can help them stay ahead of the game. Really love your advice on the key to accelerating success, especially in the digital age. Those are definitely words to to live by. Thank you so much for all of the... um, the time that you have devoted to our Beyond Barriers podcast and for the mentorship and for all of the sound advice. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening. There are thousands of podcasts out there and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode. And be sure to take the quiz on the website. Your score will tell you where you are, what helps you gain momentum, and what holds you back. You'll also get a free guide with cutting-edge career strategies. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your comments and topic suggestions on IamBeyondBarriers.com, and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and rate the podcast, or just tell a friend about it. See you next episode.